This is the Imitate Ted Radio Hour. I'm your host, Julian Fade. And I'm also here. I'm Corey Matthewson. They say to live a creative life, you must lose your fear of being wrong. We have lost that fear. We speak to world-renowned experts you've never heard of. Fake research, real comedians. They don't know what they're talking about. But that doesn't stop them from pretending they do. Each episode, we bring you made-up facts, unsighted research, completely improvised. Welcome to the Imitate Ted Radio Hour. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the dictionary as a book that lists the words of a language and gives their meaning. With over a million words in the English language and about 7,000 new words created every year, who decides which of these words gets into the dictionary and which are tossed aside? How can we trust that the words we're using are truly the best words for the moment? Our guest today is an amateur lexicographer who has pushed back against the deep-seated dictionary industry to promote what he says is a new way forward for words. Mark Meir has established his own dictionary and has filled it with his own words. In doing so, he's reshaping the way we, as people, interact, much to the chagrin of the dictionary establishment. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's it's wonderful to have you. Thanks for taking time away from the words. Uh, where are you calling in from today? Uh, I'm calling from Edmonton, Alberta, where the Institute of Wordology has been established. Yeah, fantastic. It's an institute that I understand you run. And is there anyone else currently employed there? Uh, I am currently the sole employee and also the employer and proprietor and founder. Fantastic. Congratulations on the Institute. I, I wish it nothing but success. I should mention I'm also the cleaning staff. I couldn't imagine that it stays clean any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also the, been nominated as shop steward. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. How, how long has the Institute been in operation? Uh, by this time tomorrow, three days. So at this point, two days. And at this time yesterday, I guess that would have been a day, a day. Yes. And this seems like an odd question, but when was the Institute established? Uh, that would have been two days ago. Okay, great. So still relatively fresh, relatively new. I, I mean, can you maybe talk a little bit about what you were doing before you decided to establish the Institute? Well, the establishment of the Institute was largely inspired by the Clickish nature of uh, those who deem themselves the uh, the guardians of word smithery, as I call it. That is a term that I have recently coined. It's fantastic. It's a good it's a good term to start off with. Now you're mm-hmm. saying that these, I, I, it, I I should mention that I did go with word blacksmithery first uh, because I do see myself as a man who forges words upon a metaphorical angle. I decided to cut it down to wordsmithery just for uh, the sake of Twitter and whatnot. There is a character count. Uh, yeah, I understood. So am I to understand then, before you were a lexicographer, were you a blacksmith, someone who worked forging metal and iron into sharp swords? or? 
only in a metaphorical sense. And the things I forged were, of course, words, which are not made out of steel, but letters. Ah. Hmm. Can I ask, Mark, how do you describe what a word even is? Ah, well, my dictionary defines word as a word. Mm. 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 And, and how do we know that a word is, is, is real? Well, how do we know that anything is real? For all we know, the reality that we're experiencing is just some sort of advanced simulation, perhaps created by an evil AI or a race of super intelligent aliens. Uh, beyond that, for all we know, we might all be brains floating in jars. And our physical reality is just a phantasmagorical creation of our subconscious. Another fantastic word. Yes, though that is a word that has been recognized as a legitimate word by the so-called gatekeepers. Sure. Now, I do notice that you use a lot of words from the gatekeepers side of the English language. You are not opposed to using some of their words and complementing them with your own words. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, you have to understand that they got here first. They've taken a lot of the good words. Uh, most of the words that I've been employing and the sentences that have been coming out of my mouth have actually been cleared by them. So I, I certainly don't disparage the words that they have created. I just think there's room uh, for more. I think I think uh, that it should be a big tent. I want to make the tent bigger. I want to expand the tent. I want there to be room for lawn furniture in the tent. Sure. Uh, I want I want a small bar uh, in the corner of the tent, maybe uh, some sort of food, uh, mm -hmm. something tasteful, an omelet bar, perhaps. Yeah, this seems reasonable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and of course, there would probably also be a station for the kids where they can make their own dessert. Of course. I mean, this is a party tent at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, now, of course, uh, the real reason I'm doing this is for the forgotten words. These are not all words that I have coined myself, such as word blacksmithery. No, no. These are established words that have been ignored and, and frankly, rejected by the establishment. Uh, words that are in common parlance, uh, such as spooktacular, for mm. example. For, I mean, that word is legitimate. It, there is no reason why it should not be fully accepted. It, it combines the, the spectacular and the spooky into spooktacular. And this word has limitless applications during the month of October. Absolutely. I understand frostival was another word that you came up with. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This would be a festival that occurs during the winter months when frost might be on the ground. It's just much more efficient than saying winter festival. Frostable. So it seems like a lot of your words are of this compounding nature. You sort of take two words and smash them together, blending them almost like like brunch or electrocute or bookworm. Mm -hmm. Is there other ways to come up with new words? Uh, well, well, uh, there 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 are thousands of ways. Literally, one thousand ways. Uh, I won't I won't bore you by enumerating all one thousand ways, but sure, as no. you mentioned, as you mentioned, the conjunction uh, fantabulous, for example, mm. uh, to suggest that something is both fantastic and fabulous, and as we know, many things can be both of those things simultaneously. Mm. Uh, but but of course, there's there's also words like crump, uh, crump, crump is not a compound word. It, it is its own 
its own concept, and it doesn't actually have a way of being expressed uh, in 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 the English language. I should, of course, mention the German language, which is much more adept at combining various concepts into a single word, which takes up an entire page. That is is so interesting. You mentioned that was one of my questions. Why does English as a language have so few words compared to a a, a language like German, which seems to have a word for almost every feeling and emotion? Uh, Well, if you if you examine the origins of this, uh, this phenomenon, you'd have to go back to the time when Europe and specifically what we know as the United Kingdom was being ravaged by the Black Plague. Now, a lot of words simply died during the Black Plague. Uh, not many people know, uh, but early English words were just as susceptible as the human body to disease. And they found themselves uh, uh, facing extinction. Uh, this, the Black Plague, of course, robbed us of millions of people. Uh, who knows what contributions they might have made to society had they lived. But beyond that, we also lost many, many words, words which I have, I cannot repeat because they have been extinct for centuries. It's, it's amazing. Amazing to think about the history of language told through words. Um, I, now, I, I understand in addition to words, it's not just about words and adding those words to dictionaries, but also that you try to add letters to alphabets. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that uh, 26 letters in the English alphabet is is clearly not enough. Uh, I have added no less than 14 more letters to the English alphabet. Most of them are primitive cartoonish drawings. Okay. And these would be vowels or consonants? Uh, they can be whatever you want them to be. They Amazing. Have, they have not been pronounced aloud and in fact cannot be pronounced using a human vocal apparatus. That is that is truly fascinating, Mark. Uh, I understand that Scrabble has taken a major issue with you in adding these fourteen new letters. Uh, we we're we're currently involved in litigation, so I'm afraid I can't comment. No, fair enough, fair enough, Mark. I want to get real with you for for just a moment here. Of Can course, you yes. describe to us uh, how words make you feel? What emotions does the very idea of words evoke in you when you think about a combination of letters that, you know, when brought together, suddenly mean something? This is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. When I think of words, I become completely flernbot. I I find myself in a complete state of plintar. Yeah. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no, There's nothing more to be said, really. No, I mean, it, it, you are incredibly efficient with your words, and, and those words have said more than any other word I've ever heard before. Yeah, I, I, I remember reading in your dictionary that plintar is almost this feeling of loss and joy at the same time. I don't remember the exact definition, but it was something like the celebration you feel at a funeral. Yes, although that really just scratches the surface. Uh, plintar is... Of course, not only loss and joy, but also anger, uh, irritation, mm-hmm. uh, but, but also on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, it's the same feeling that you get when you open uh, a can of soda and find that it has lost its carbonation. Mm. Yes. Yes. So, so sad and, and 
so yeah. meaningful. But there are, there are of course, positive emotions uh, associated with plintar as well. Uh, the feeling you get when you reach into a bag full of chips and find that the, the, the crumbs at the bottom also contain a regular-sized chip. Right, right, right. Or, or plintar is almost like uh, the, the emotion an airplane feels when there's no one on it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think there's a lot of plintar in the air these days. Mm. I don't think you could have said it better. No, no, there's no words that come to mind. Now, Mark, you've created your own dictionary. What does the Oxford or the, or the Merriam-Webster's n- not giving the world that your dictionary provides? Well, I don't think that you'll find much crabulence within the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, you can say that again. Mir- Merriam-Webster does not bring Schlepin to the table. Mm-hmm. 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 Schlepin is a Yiddish root? Uh, originally, yes, yes, uh, though I have repurposed it uh, and... Uh, uh, if you will, uh, I have uh, absorbed it, uh, much like uh, an amoeba, or uh, if you if you prefer uh, a more modern reference, uh, the blob. Sure, sure. Yes. Uh, Schlepin is sort of um, like a lazy efficiency. It's like getting things done as fast as possible, but with as little effort as possible. Yes, exactly. And that is the philosophy that has largely guided my work. It's amazing. You decided to buck the trend of organizing your dictionary in alphabetical order, uh, like many of the common dictionaries, and you opt for a more unique approach to organization. Maybe you can tell us what led to that decision and what the organization looks like for you. Uh, It just was going to be way easier for me. Rather than having to collate words and alphabetize them, I could just enter them into uh, my tome, if you will, uh, as they occurred to me. Aha. Uh-huh. So maybe you could throw us back to the very beginning of the tome. Mm-hmm. What was your first word? The, the very the first word that I coined or the first word, the first word that I entered into uh, into my book or, or the first word that you said. Uh, the first word that I said, uh, I, I believe it was a string of vowel sounds, though I don't have perfect recollection of the moment. Uh, I think that it was an attempt to convey uh, the fact that I had defecated uh, and was <clears throat> was now was now forced to sit in in my own feces. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, my re- my recall of that moment is uh, imperfect at best. Sure. Memory is so fuzzy, isn't it? It can be. It can be. Uh, Or as I prefer to say, memory is chindangan. Ah. Now, the the new dictionary of yours has really ruffled a few of the pages of some of the more established lexicographers in the field. How do you respond to their continued critiques and criticism of you and the work you're doing? Well, I I wish they'd limit themselves to critique and criticism. Uh, I... Have I have faced uh, numerous attempts on my life? Oh my God! Can you elaborate? Uh, well, they attempted to kill me. Interesting. One of the concerns that, especially the Merriam-Webster's group has had, is that you've called this dictionary the Mark Merriam Dictionary. Is that a cause for concern on your end? Uh, well, 
I, I, I don't have concerns, but clearly Miriam does. Webster apparently is more hands-off. Uh, we've actually talked and I, I think it's Miriam that's really bringing uh, most of the animosity to the table. Yeah. Interesting. So Mark, how do you stay ahead of what one might call big dictionary? Uh, it takes it takes effort. It's a it's a constant battle. Uh, as you know, these people are very well funded. They have an extensive legal team. Uh, I am my own legal team and have no understanding of the law. Uh, I wear a number of different hats. Uh, there are actual physical hats that I have here in uh, my place of business. Uh, as required, I will take one hat off my head and replace it with another. Uh, the lawyer hat uh, is actually a Viking helmet. I, I wasn't able to find uh, a lawyer hat specifically. I was thinking of one of those wigs that uh, they wear in Britain, uh, but I wasn't able to order one of those. Uh, so it, it's a Viking hat for right now. So I put on my Viking hat and become a lawyer. And uh, as I say, lacking any knowledge of the law or how it works uh, has proved to be a stumbling block in that arena. Yeah. <laughs> and is is your goal with, uh, with your word smithery to eventually have the biggest dictionary of them all? Uh, I, I think I already do. I mean, I incorporate all of the words that they deem official. Uh, of course, the the orphan words, as I call them, the those <laughs> that are in the common parlance that have been passed over for whatever reason, uh, usually usually for political reasons. And and of course, the words that I myself have coined. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite words of yours are Duke, Minat, Dartangular. These words convey so much while saying so little. It's uh, it really allows me to express myself. And I've I've taken to using some of your words in my writing. I wonder if you can maybe share some other experiences you've had of people sharing their personal feedback with you and how much your words have meant to them. Uh, well, you mentioned Dartangular, and that that uh, I, that's the one that I'm probably most proud of. Uh, I, I received uh, flowers, a delivery of flowers from D'Artagnan himself, uh, the fictional character D'Artagnan. Uh, knowing that I had managed to reach someone who does not actually exist, that, that made me realize that it was all worth it. You have gathered devoted followers of your unique brand of flexicography over the last few years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mark, Mark, what inspiring words do you have for those people who see you as the single source of truth in words today? Uh, I would just like to say to them, please stop camping on my lawn. Mm. Mm -hmm. they, uh, they leave their garbage everywhere. Uh, their chanting keeps me up at night. Mm -hmm. uh, I would prefer if they just returned to their own homes. Absolutely. Inspiring words. Now, you know, as you say in the preface to the dictionary, a language is just a group of people who choose to understand each other. I, I've grown uh, over the course of this conversation to understand you better. And uh, I, I hope that maybe one day I could contribute a word of my own to your dictionary. I, I would be honored. Uh, and in fact, I have my book open right now and I can, I can make you the next entry. Really? What an incredible opportunity. I'm, I'm giving you that opportunity right now. Just give me your word. I will enter it and we will decide what it means. Uh, I, I was going to say, 
All right. And that is, of course, are there any apostrophes in there? Uh, yes. Uh, in between and And is that or hey. All right. Excellent. Now, what do you think this word should embody? What concepts? Uh, is it a noun? Is it an adjective? I, I I sort of imagine it as as being a it describes a multitude of of things. It, it, it describes the fact that there's a lot of something kind of stuck in your brain. Mm-hmm. 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 So maybe a adjective, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, adjective feeling you get when your brain is full. There we are. Now, we can always amend this later. I've, I've amended many of the definitions of the words that I've created and some, some established words as well. Uh, uh, amendment process is relatively straightforward? <laughs> yes, it's, it's very simple. I, uh, I'm well equipped with both erasers and whiteout. Uh, unfortunately, all of the erasers that I have are those really hard ones that don't mm-hmm. actually erase anything. They just sort of smear uh, your writing and uh, make it impossible to read, and then you can't actually write it. So I, I will be honest, a lot, a lot of the book that I have created is, in fact, these illegible smears. Yeah, this is this is one of my the confusions with your dictionary is that there is a single source of truth. It is the one copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there plans to commercialize it in a way that you could sell it to other people so that they could kind of own a piece of the tome? It will perhaps be digitized, for example. I think either of those options would be just a bastardization of my original vision, and I will fight it tooth and nail. Well, um, Mark, uh, I truly feel like uh, a Zazanite as we speak to you today. <laughs> it really does. It really wow. does feel fabulous. Well, I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad you're the one who said that. <laughs> <laughs> a bit risky, no doubt. Yes, but yes, uh, yes. but uh, wait, words are risky after all. Well, I mean, really, aren't we all Zazanites? <laughs> mm. well, you, you too. <laughs> on some level, on some level, I think we're all Zazanites. That might mm. be a bit. That might be a bit controversial. <laughs> sure, sure. Mark Meir is the uh, janitor, director, lawyer, and creator of the Institute of Wordology in Edmonton, Alberta, and an amateur lexographer. Mark, thank you so much for being here today. Words cannot describe how much it means to us. This has been completely cyborganish, and and I mean that. The Imitated Radio Hour is produced by Rapid Fire Theatre. It is not affiliated in any way with NPR or the official TED organization. So please don't sue us. Rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Corey Mathewson. For Julian Fade. This has been the Imitated Radio Hour.